Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today we're sitting with Kyle Tierman, a young man I had the pleasure of meeting on my travels through Nicaragua, who was kind enough to actually hire me one day to take him around and show him the ropes through the environment that I knew and loved, wave-wise. And then he turned me on to a whole new side of this world, which are individuals who go around and selflessly try to make changes, really positive changes for the world. And Kyle is one of those young men who actually puts his money where his mouth is and makes those changes and does it in a really interesting way, in a way that he's designed by himself. And with that said, I'd like to introduce Kyle to the show, and um, we're going to hear a lot of really cool stuff here, folks. So, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Super happy to have you, dude. I think that you represent a population of a little bit younger generation. You're a little younger than me. I don't know how, how old are you, Kyle. 26. 26. You're a lot younger than me but who are very conscious of the world and where we stand today with climate change, social injustice, so forth and so on, who's taken it upon themselves to go out and shed some light on it, number one, and then do it in a unique way that actually makes huge changes. I know you've had some very big wins in your career, which I'd love to get into as we continue to talk, but um, why don't we just start with a little bit of where you grew up, Kyle, and uh, a little bit about your upbringing. Sure. Uh, I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, and grew up surfing. Um, youngest of five, all my older brothers and sisters surf. So it was kind of like a, a skateboard in the left hand and a surfboard in the right hand. So grew up surfing Steamer Lane. Um, and when I was a junior in high school, um, I made it a, a decision in my life that um, profoundly shifted the direction of it. I decided to stop going to Santa Cruz Public High School, which I really disliked. Um, I had a lot of good friends there, but really struggled with test taking. I, I would kind of like, I was the guy who would work really hard to get a B minus, uh, except when I would get to give a presentation in front of the class. That was something that I was always really naturally good at. And I always really enjoyed delivering information in a way that was um, fun for people to listen to, ultimately, right? It's like, all right, how can I make this fun for you to to pay attention? And, you know, sadly, in public school, that was something that I didn't get to do very often. And I made a switch to go to um, a homeschool for junior and senior year, which was a wide open playing field. And I remember the teacher, one of the first weeks that I went there is basically like, all right, what is it that you're really interested in learning about? And uh, man, like for a little while, it actually took me some time to come up with it because I would say that my self-confidence was at an all-time low. I mean, a lot of people say that the, the worst years of their life were in high school. And um, I would say that, that was true for me. I mean, it wasn't it was still pretty good, right? I was surfing and had a good group of friends, but like, like really kind of thought I was stupid because I wasn't a good test taker. But I, um, I remember I made, I drew a, 
a mind map where it was my name in the center and a circle around it on a, a whiteboard. And I drew um, kind of out like in a sun shape, like all the things that I knew I really enjoyed doing and things that I was interested in learning about. So um, surfing, traveling. Um, I was always really interested in video and media. Um, and I also was, I think from a really young age, aware of my position in this world, um, as a young white man, um, born into a, a nice place like Santa Cruz, California, you know, upper middle class family and was aware that that is a highly unique position to be in. So I wanted to do something that would, that would help really. I, 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 was also around that I was um, my mom and my dad are both documentary filmmakers who have done stories on social change um, in the past. So I, I think that a lot of it was being exposed to that at a young age. And um, yeah, just like, I mean, my mom, for example, was like the, the type of person who, if I would get to go on a surf trip somewhere, like for example, I went to Chile at one point and um, my mom said, Oh, you're going to Chile. Well, you need to read a book on Chile because you need to understand how America has influenced Chile. Because most people don't know um, that Pinochet, uh, you know, one of the most infinite, infamous dictators in the world, was put into power by the United States, by the Chicago boys, as their experiment on on how this new dictator would would rule Chile. So, from so I was interested in that and my mom made sure that i would be interested in that so i wanted to to have um some kind of life where i could combine all of that um as fluidly as possible i would say and it, and it really all started in that junior year of high school when i made that mind map on a whiteboard of just all these things that i was interested in and then figured out how i could make an education out of that and luckily i had some great teachers who were really willing to allow me to to follow that curiosity. I think that one of like one of the most sad things that I see today are um high school students who I talk to, college students who I talk to who seem to have lost their curiosity. Um and that is that's something that's just always been kind of heartbreaking for me because I for me at this point I feel like I'm more curious than ever. I feel like I know that I will never learn fraction of what there is to learn out there in the world. And I now have such a voracious appetite for learning that um, that's really sad for me. So I started this this thing where we did a mind map and um, really kind of formed a lot of my education around around that and said, like, OK, you're interested in surfing. Let's learn about the ocean. Let's learn about how the tides work. Let's learn about um, the biology of the sea creatures right near the shore let's start making YouTube videos. I started making YouTube videos um, when I was a senior in high school. And then my my first year in college um, made a video that probably in large part, you know, people kind of describe me and, and defines me by where I started doing res research on um, on how coal power plants happen, started getting really curious about you know, really, you, we hear about all this shitty stuff that happens in the world. And um I was just really curious as to, you know, like how it happens. How does the money work behind it to actually make something like a coal, coal power plant go in? Um, and I learned that a lot of projects, whether it be, um, you know, a home that you want to buy, a business that you want to start or a coal power plant that you want to build, uh, get funded by banks. 
So I started learning a lot about the banking system and that the banks really do hold the key in a lot of ways to what ends up happening. I mean, a lot of people might be aware of what's happening right now in Standing Rock, and there's a big movement to take money out of um, Bank of America and Citigroup. And I believe Wells Fargo is the third bank that are underwriting the Standing Rock pipeline um, and to put put their money into local credit unions. Um, so that was really exciting for me at a young age to kind of just dig in and have the freedom to dig into these random subjects. And I ended up um, going down to Chile um, and coming up with the idea to make a little five-minute video about a proposed coal power plant going in on the beach of a Chilean fishing town and learned that it was being underwritten by Bank of America and that when we put our money into banks, that money doesn't stay there, that banks will lend out our money. And there's this thing called fractional reserve lending. So any dollar that you put into a bank is multiplied by about 10. So it's a really leveraged action that we can take is to have our money in local credit unions and banks and not have it be sucked up, sucked out to fund a bunch of horrible shit around the world. Um, so I made this little video and a lot of people thought that it was cool. So they started sharing it around and, um, got a lot of media and press around it. I was able to give a, a TEDx talk about it um you a, a number TED talk on it i gave a ted talk on it um a number of years later about uh it was, it was pretty funny man looking back at it is like <laughs> what was i thinking but uh i i did it in a wetsuit and we ended up getting a lot of money moved and we ended up getting um around 360 million dollars of lending power moved out of b of a and into local banks and credit unions or um around the world because of so, your video like your um, I think that, I mean, a lot, that was, that was what we, um, documented. That was like what from, from businesses and, um, yeah, mostly like we got a bunch of big businesses to move their money. Um, who's we? Like, who are you working with? Well, I was, uh, kind of me. But, so yeah, um, you did this on your own from my understanding. I mean, you, you kind of went down there with this idea and made a video, put it on YouTube and it blew up. Is that kind of how yeah. it went? Yeah, I mean, um, to a, to a degree, I think that it also, um, I got a lot of help, um, throughout, throughout the way. I mean, again, my mom and dad were, were major, um, helpers in that, as well as like, look, maybe if someone's listening to this right now and they're like, oh, maybe I'll move my money into a local credit union, chances are they're not going to hit me up and be like, oh, I moved, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. So, um, I actually didn't do the best job uh, tracking all of that, but mm -hmm. 360 is what we track. That is, that, and which is 36 million um, total. So that's 360 million of lending power of all of that lending power being moved out of B of A. I see. Okay. But anyway, that's like that was the first movie that I did. I mean, you can go back and watch it on YouTube. It's it's pretty bad and embarrassing now that I <laughs> really see it because I was kind of just thrown into the frying pan and, and made a movie, but it did get a lot. It, I mean, I think that the subject was unique enough that people were interested in it and they were sharing it around, even though the quality of it wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. um, and that also got me kind of s the spark under me to realize that this is something that I could do. Um, can and I, can I stop you real quick and just, yeah. just so yeah. I kind of go down the sequence of events. So you're in high school and you kind of start becoming more aware of the social 
things that are happening in the world because your parents influence you decided to go to Chile? Was this like a school trip? Like, or is this a surf trip you're going to? Like, how'd you fund this? How'd you, how'd you figure Chile was the place to go to do all this? Um, well, I, I had been doing a bunch of research on what I thought was, would have been a good place to kind of, like, I, I understood the bank, the banking system, at least to that degree. and was like, all right, I think that we could do a cool story, um, where we have a surf trip somewhere and show a project that's being funded by a, a bank. Like, B of A is one of the largest funders of coal power worldwide. So I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to pick, pick on them, but I ended up actually going to, um, I ended up reaching out to Patagonia and it's it kind of a funny little, little side story, but I ended up, uh, I had a friend of a friend who was, who knew of Von Chouinard, who's the founder of Patagonia and, um, got an email forwarded to him and I ended up getting a call back. So this was, uh, my first, this was, uh, yeah, I think end of graduating year, um, in high school and, I did the movie, I believe, in like the spring of the next year. But Yvonne Chouinard ends up calling me back and like, hey, what's up, Kyle? Like, I'm I'm really interested in this banking stuff that you're talking about. Like, super random. I was going and I was surfing the lane. The lane. I'm like, founder of Patagonia is calling me right now. So I um, end up going to to get to hang with him at, at his house at the ranch for a few days and like lay out what um kind of this project that I wanted to do. And he was like, oh, that's that's super cool. Like, let me put you in touch with our team manager because they just started their surf team. And that's actually how I got sponsored by Patagonia. But I went to I went to Patagonia and first I was like, all right, like I want you to fund this story. And like, you know, it's I think it's going to be like $10,000 to like do all this stuff and like, go you know, go down there with a shooter and like make it all happen, you know, edit costs on the back end, blah, blah, blah. And um they ended up being like, well, uh, like you really haven't proved anything like that you can pull this off. Like you're an 18 year old kid. Like here's some board shorts and some stickers and like get back to us in a little while. Um, so I was like, damn it. All right. Like, well, I- I'm going to figure out how to write a grant. So I figured out how to write a grant, um, to an environmental organization that gave, that was giving away like youth environmental grants. Um, and, I ended up getting $7,000 to go down and do this story. And then I did this story and then kind of like came back to Patagonia nine months later and was like, Hey, yeah, like we got all this money moved. And I think that they were like, Oh, like, whoa, you're, you're legit and, um, are actually doing some really good stuff. You know, I mean, a lot of people reach out to Patagonia and are like, Hey, sponsor me. And, um, to their credit, I think they, they really focus on people who, who are legitimate and, you know, doing good work, not just someone who is a good surfer. So that was, that was really cool. And that was kind of like the beginning of my relationship with Patagonia. They're still my, my sponsor till this day. Um, and then I started, yeah, making, making YouTube movies, man, about all kinds of stuff, um, from the clothing industry in Sri Lanka, kind of like how a t-shirt made in Santa Cruz can be tracked back to Sri Lanka and, Fair Trade um, did one on plastic pollution in Hawaii, did one on um, trash epidemic in Indonesia, did one you know, with you in Nicaragua on um, the positive and negative impacts on tourism in Nicaragua and what people are trying to do about that. And it was, man, just kind of like 
just kept going really and uh i mean now more than ever if you want to make if you want to do video and you want to have a lifestyle where you don't need to work that nine to five office job I, i do think that media is a really cool career to get into and there aren't the same costs associated with it that the that there used to be so like I, if I would have gone back and done it all over again, I would have made way more movies. Because I think that one thing that a lot of people don't understand is that if you're going to get into media and you're going to start making movies, you're just going to be bad at it for probably the first couple of years. Like, it, your movies are probably just going to kind of suck. And then you're, they're going to get a little bit better. I think it's like, like that with anything. But unfortunately, a lot of people will, like... I'll get emails all the time from, from kids who are like, all right, I like want to make these, this movie. And like, they put all this effort into making one movie and it sucks because it's their first one or, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be mean, but like you just learn things along the way. And I think that one big mistake that I made along the way was that I didn't make enough. Like I, I was, so then I, I decided to go to this alternative college and, and I started the surfing for change, um, like YouTube series where I would go to the premise was I was I would go to a surf destination somewhere around the world and I would cover an environmental or social issue. And um, I mean, it was awesome for me because I got to learn. I get to get like these little micro degrees and all kinds of um, issues. And, you know, 19, 20 year old kid, like, let's face it, I was also super stoked to be able to travel and kind of uh, combine the two of of going to awesome places, get surfing amazing waves, meeting cool people and learning about issues and, and talking about these stories. But um, but I think that a big mistake that I made along the way was I didn't make enough movies. So to actually get a movie fun, like, you know, write a grant. I, I also like, you know, my relationship with my sponsors in Patagonia, like they've been super supportive, but the amount of costs that go into making a mini documentary are usually pretty substantial. Um, if you want to like, make a full-on mini doc which is kind of what i wanted to do I, I was watching a lot of vice a lot of like discovery around that time like watching how these people would do it not understanding that they had a crew of of three or four people with producers and shooters and editors um and i was kind of trying to do it on that level like hi i'm kyle i'm in this crazy spot i'm gonna tell this crazy story and do it a lot of it myself um and I think that I got really overwhelmed at the time and I and I didn't get as good as quickly as I could have gotten if I would have just made a ton of YouTube videos locally. Um, I mean, there's this thing called vlogging now that a lot of people are doing where it's, you know, they just turn the camera back on themselves and they do a video log of like their day. Mm-hmm. And I, I would recommend to people if they're getting into video, at, like start doing something like that. That's just super low impact low cost and then you're going to get all those mistakes out of the way and then you can go on to the bigger the bigger story so i mean if i could have done it all over again i probably would have done it the opposite way because now i'm kind of just learning that and now i'm doing way more videos like now i'll I'll make a new video every couple weeks and they're not all these um you know like big stories but they're like hey what's up we're gonna go surf mavericks and this is our day at mavs um, and I'll learn something just through making that, that movie. And 
I, I try and keep him original and fun. I, I hate the amount of perfunctory that's in the the web's uh, media sphere now of people just like doing something that's that's unoriginal and un- uninspiring. Mm-hmm. So I feel like just now I'm finding that balance after all these years of doing surfing for change videos and then being like, I need to do all of these uh, videos like one after another, one after another. And now I'm finding this balance where I do my fun little YouTube videos and I also work as now a correspondent for uh, Discovery Digital Network. It's called Seeker Network um, as, as an Ocean's correspondent, where I finally feel now like I have that support. Like the difference between being able to sit down and ask someone questions and have to constantly be thinking like, all right, is the light good on the camera? Are we recording? Are we in focus? What was the last question? To just being able to to be the person asking the question and also have a producer behind me and being like, hey, like maybe think about asking him this question too. I'm like, oh yeah, wow, good, good idea. Is it's a world of a difference. So mm-hmm. being able to have that kind of support has um has really opened opened my eyes to um to like how to the it, it really does take a group mind a lot of times to tell these more in-depth stories. Yeah, man. I mean it sounds like it. Like my question is you've been doing this since you're 18. You've produced approximately how many YouTube videos at this point? <sighs> Um, maybe like uh, somewhere around a hundred, I would say. Under the under the like, banner, surf for change. Um, no, no, I would say that. Um, in terms of like a full mini documentary about an issue, I've produced maybe like ten or twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's again, like I think that a big mistake that I made early on, like from from ages like eight. I think that what happened was with that the first video that I made, the chili video. It was such a success. And again, I was like still this kind of youth. So the amount of attention that you can get as like a youth activist is is kind of crazy. So I was like winning all these awards for youth activism and for like that one piece that I did and that story because we were tracking again, we we're tracking this money moving in. It's like that it's a great story. So I felt so much pressure to have every video after that be a home run. Yeah. That I I really didn't hone my skills as a filmmaker as much as I should have just making movies. I think that now I'm I'm just now learning that it, in the you know being a, a documentary filmmaker, being um, anyone in media, like you can't hit a home run every time. Like you need to constantly be hitting singles and doubles, and then sooner or later you're gonna hit a home run, but just getting on base constantly is, is more important than looking for that one big story. And I think that that, that pressure that I put on myself early on kind of hindered my, my progression growth from like 19 to, to 24 until I just realized like, look, this, that's not realistic that I'm going to hit a home run every time. And I just started making more movies and had a lot, a lot more fun as a result. So when you struck up this relationship with Patagonia after getting that grant, I mean, was that a relationship? You said you've said sponsors, as in multiple people support you, multiple different companies. Is that enough? Like, are you making a living? Since so some eighteen to twenty six. Like, have you ever gone to a nine to five job, or is this kind of supporting your lifestyle, travel style, surfing, everything? It is. Um, it is. I don't. I'm. I'm not making um, enough money that I don't need to do <clears throat> other things. Like, I do public speaking. Um, that's that's been a really good way for me to make money. Um, because universities will pay um, pay really good money to have you come speak there, um, and I, I'm lucky enough to have a speaking agent. 
Um, but that's, man, like, if you look at a lot of people in media or a lot of, um, you know, just characters where they're like, you know, public fi- figures or whatever. And you're like, huh, I wonder like how they actually monetize what they're doing. Public speaking is the golden ticket, man, for a lot of them because you can make, I just, uh, you can make a lot of money, um, doing that if you, if you're doing it consistently. Um, so I, I will constantly balance, um, doing documentary film, uh, with, with public speaking because I think that also like in the, like, <clears throat> media like in the youtube world right as well like a lot of it's about subscribers so like certain youtubers are making a lot of money um with by having big subscriber numbers because that means that every video they make is probably gonna get a certain amount of views so if you're a youtuber where every video you're making is getting a hundred thousand hits a couple hundred thousand hits the advertisers come to you and they will uh They'll want to advertise on it. And some of these kids, man, who, who figured that formula out quick and early on and now have millions of subscribers are absolutely killing it, like disgusting amounts of money. But I think that, I mean, a, another big mistake that I made early on was that I didn't focus on the, on that base of like making movies consistently. And I wasn't putting movies out on YouTube consistently and didn't realize the importance of that. Whereas now I'm kind of figuring that out and like, understanding the subscriber base of of things and i don't have a high a big enough subscriber base to really be making a lot of money on youtube at this point but that is another way that you can that you can do it kind of like get out of that nine to five world and then yes i I do get paid by patagonia and and sector nine um and a a new jump rope company i just got sponsored by called rpm jump ropes but even like all of that is not uh, not something where I'm going to be able to like buy a house with that money. It's, it's more been supplemental income that then I can go like do speaking gigs or, you know, making more YouTube videos. And I think that that's something that's for people who are looking to kind of ditch the nine to five life. Um, that's usually the way it works. Like it's really rare that you have just one source of income that, that pays for everything. Um, and I think that more and more today, like, we want to hop around from careers like we want to be versatile and specialization is for insects like like being able to have three or four things going on um is something that i really enjoy so for example with with the documentaries that i do like i've never really made money off of that like i would i would write grants but the amount of costs that, that would be associated with that would um would usually eat it all up but then like Luckily, I had speaking, so then I could I could make some money here and there. And it's it's a dance, man. I mean, I think that the reason more people don't do it is because it's it's a scary world. And um, you know, like my girlfriend works a nine to five, and she leaves in the morning. And I, there's usually a million things for me to be able to do while I'm home. But there are certain days when I when I wake up and I'm like, whoo, like all right, like. What, like, what are we doing today? You know, like, let's, let's make a pitch, like, to a company or let's do it. But I, I, I'm self-motivated and I think that I have, um, I've developed enough tools for when I am feeling kind of like down in the dumps that I can be like, all right, I need to move my body. Like, if I'm not feeling it right now, like, I, I'm going to go work out. Like, keep, keep my body really healthy. I, uh, keeping my body really healthy has helped my mind also stay healthy. Mm. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, I think that's the reason more people don't do it, but then like on the, on the flip side, right? Like 
I, I also, I have the freedom to be able to go see all these amazing places and meet all these amazing people. And like, man, it's just like, I'm still, I feel like pretty young and like the amount of experiences and issues and subjects that I've been able to dive into, um, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm living a very full life, um, which is something that I wouldn't trade anything for. So, yeah, it sounds like you've kind of made a conscious decision to live frugally, um, live paycheck to paycheck in order to have that time to really go after those topics and life, that lifestyle that you really want for yourself. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah. And I think that like one thing to consider, right, is that so like I have a lot of friends who are um, who are pro surfers and and they that's just like that's what they do right like they're just they're pro surfers and they rely on one paycheck from one company and they live frugally um and they surf and they have a great lifestyle they get to go get barreled all over the world but they're not really building skills that are going to prepare them for when that company calls and says hey you're not getting paid anymore and that's a really scary feeling for a lot of people so for me, I've always felt like, okay, like in your 20s, you you learn in your 30s, you earn like I've just always kind of told myself that look, as long as I'm gaining skills, I don't need to be making a ton of money now for and sacrificing my freedom for security as long as I'm learning the second that I feel like I'm stagnating, and I'm just like, just kind of going through the motions doing it and living paycheck to paycheck, then it's th- then I'm not down with that, then I will I will go and get you know, another job because it's, it can be, I think a a really frightening feeling for, for a lot of people, like having that kind of financial stress. But for me, like I, so like, for example, you know, I just started my own podcast and I'm not making money at that yet, but the amount that I'm learning as a result of having a chance to sit down with people for an hour, interviewing a scientist or a pro surfer or a filmmaker. Like I just did one with um, someone who's a correspondent for, for discovery. And I was asking them all about how they pitch their stories. Like what, what are the biggest mistakes that they've made when they're pitching a story in the room? And like, like if you know anything about media, like pitching the story is what gets it funded. You ultimately have to show up in the room and say, Hey, I believe in this story. I want you to believe in it too, and put money behind it. And there are a lot of, tricks and tips and tools that can make those experience those those experiences go over more smoothly so by me sitting down with this guy um i'm not making any money off of that um experience on the podcast but i'm learning so much from him that i and i'm confident that, that that experience will behoove me in the future right because i'm gaining that skill now so i'm i'm constantly looking at my life through that lens um more than the like, like, oh, I'm just going to like cruise now and then hope it never runs out. Yeah. I mean, that's profound. My mind is blowing. I love it. So it's uh, in your 20s, you learn and in your 30s, you earn. I love it. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Um, so you have four more years of learning, it sounds like, before you start maybe stressing about uh, financial security. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I think, again, like li- living smart, too. Like I... I, yeah, I mean, this, the stress and the financial security thing, again, like, it's, it's one that's constantly evolving. And I, I, I'm also learning how to, um, yeah, how to, how to not have a ton of bills over your head, man. Like, I see people who are making a ton of money 
but they they're spending it all every single month on things that they don't really care about. And like, man, for me, like I got my surfboards, I got my wetsuits, I got my dive equipment. Like I, I have a healthy body and I'm learning a ton. The, the skills that I have today, I, I know are valuable, um, in the world. And, and I, I think also, unfortunately, a lot of people go for, go for financial security early on and they specialize in one thing and then a robot's going to take their job in 10 years. Right. Mm, But just, I mean, like for, for you, like your ability to have a conversation with someone, your ability, like from the first time I met you down in Nicaragua, I was like, Oh, this guy is awesome. Like I would, it like, I would hire you to do anything because you're, you're competent. You, are going to show up. And I know that. And I think that those kinds of life skills are so invaluable. And so few people have actually developed those through experience that it actually makes you a lot, a lot more valuable um, with whatever it is that you want to, that you, that you want to go after next. Right. Well, yeah, thank you for the compliment. That's, that's nice to hear. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, by getting out there and mixing up in those situations that we find ourselves in that are especially when you're traveling, are extremely uncomfortable. You're constantly day-to-day facing things you've never seen before, never had to deal with in languages that you're probably never going to learn. And you get to know yourself really well, really quick, the things that you're good at and the things that you're not good at. And you start to build those skills to make the things that you're not good at a bit better. That you're right. You know, I could come back from pretty much anywhere after a certain amount of years and feel confident that someone would hire me because of the life skills that I had. Or, or Or like you're leveraging what it is that you're really good at too. Exactly. Like that, that's, that's another thing that um, like, I, mean, I feel like I'm just going through like all these mistakes that I made early on. <laughs> so, like, Go through I, them. I'll, I'll just, just like for, for everyone listening, like we were supposed to do this call like two hours ago and I totally spaced on it because my friend uh, just opened a uh, sensory deprivation tank center and I was like, oh, absolutely. Like, I'll go. He's like, hey, I have a free, a free tank, like, float for you. I'm like, oh, great. Totally spaced on our podcast. But through, but while I was doing that float session, I was just thinking about all of these mistakes that I've made over my life, like, from a very compassionate and observing point of view, because all of your senses are turned off and it's a good time to think about life. But, um, I was thinking about a, a big mistake that I made early on was I thought that I could do it all. Mm-hmm. And I tried to do it all. Everything from editing to, to shooting to being on camera. And it turns out that like I knew back in high school that I enjoyed presenting and I've always been a presenter. And that's, that's been my thing is trying to figure out how to distill down an information, still uh, distill down information like the banking system into something that, that you'll want to listen to. And now I'm, I'm focusing on that so much more and I'm experiencing successes in my career now that I never experienced over the last eight years because I'm focusing now on what it is that I'm good at. And it was this kind of like, Oh yeah, like just do what you're best at. And yeah, may, like become proficient at the other things, right? Like if you're living in Nicaragua, you got to learn some Spanish, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> like there are very, there are basic things that we need to learn. Mm. Uh, but there are also things that we can leverage, right? right? And, think, and sorry, go, I no, just, this, this one is actually a sticking point for me because I think about it a lot with myself and these endeavors that I've taken on in the last years, my podcast and trying to transition my life online so I can be location independent from work. And 
you know, you hear this a lot where people are like, you know, just outsource, 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 you know, leverage the things that you're good at and, and like give the stuff you can't do to have it somebody else. And I find myself not even knowing the direction to give those people if I were to outsource it. You know, like I wouldn't know the verbiage, vocabulary, the terminology to say like, hey, build me a website because I need this type of landing page and this type of form, this, this, that. Like I had to go through the motions of trying to build my own website to realize, one, I was terrible at it. Two, the vocabulary that I acquired from the time spent was so valuable for when I did finally pass it off to somebody, I could say, this is what I want. Boom, boom, boom. They had it done in like a month, you know? Right. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great point. And um, I've I've experienced that a ton too, because I think that you can also get really ripped off by by people who like if you if you don't understand that that verbiage, if you don't understand at least the basics kind of stuff, it's like the um, it's like taking your car to a mechanic and you don't know anything about your car. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna charge you way more. Yeah. So I do think that there is an element. I found like with the best results of working with people is, is having that basic framework for like, all right, how much is it that I should charge? Mm -hmm. What are some good questions that I should ask so that the person who I end up hiring is like, Oh, this guy knows what the fuck he's talking about. Right. Like I'm going to do a good job. Right. And, um, I I think that, but it's, but it doesn't take that much to like go on and watch a few YouTube videos about, um, building a website or, or, or whatever, you know? Um, but I, I find that, yeah, you get, you get ripped off less when you do that. Yeah. So you also mentioned you have a podcast. Can you talk a little bit about that and that recent project that you've taken on? Sure. Well, I mean, it, it was like all great things. It was born out of frustration. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, so I, I recently got back from Hawaii where I, uh, I did a story with, um, with Seeker Network on, um, <clears throat> land-based impacts of coral reef. And, uh, it turns out that on the big island, um, a, a major cause for destruction of coral reefs is wild pig, feral pig. They have, they have a huge pig problem out there. Um, you know, female pigs, the sows can breed, um, twice a year and have to 10 babies in a, in a litter. So one pig, one pig can have 20 babies in a year. They, they Populations explode. They go into uh, watersheds and they basically rummage around. They they rummage for grubs. They're hooved animals, so they dig up all of the native vegetation. And then when it rains, the um, the water flows down and it creates these big mud rivers, which blanket the reef. Um, coral is a, a living organism, and it uh, needs sunlight to grow. So when it blankets the reef, it kills the reef, um, and people are trying to kill the pig and um, create fences around these sensitive areas to keep them out to protect the coral. So we went to um, big Island. We did a story on that and um, it turned, it was a five minute video. I'm really proud of it. You guys can all check it out. Um, my website, Kyle.surf. We'll link it up. Too. Uh, sure. Yeah. But, but it was one of those things also where I was like, damn, like this is such a complex subject. Like, like it's, it's, Really, there are a lot of moving parts, you know, whether it be that like I, you know, people who don't like hunters, uh, for, for hunting the pig, um, you know, if hunting really does enough to impact the pig populations, um, you know, invasive species all around the world and those stories, like it, I just dove into this world where I, 
I knew that there was so much more to tell than just that five minute video, but the medium of the five minute video was that's I, I, again, I'm proud of the story that we told. But after that, I was like, I want to interview some scientists. And I'm like, I want to, I want to just have long conversations with them and learn more about this. And I want to learn more about, um, the people who I come into contact with all over the world. I mean, like, again, I'm lucky enough to be on a, a surf team where, um, there are a, a ton of fascinating characters who I'm in touch with all, all the time. Um, I'm in touch with filmmakers, like, all the time, like, so, so I'm going to sit down with them and inter- interview them. Um, and so far I've had the chance to sit down with, um, vice correspondents like Kaj Larson. He's a war correspondent. Um, did one with a production designer in, in Hollywood. He's the production designer on Avatar. Talks about creating new worlds, um, pro surfers, just all kinds of stuff. But, uh, but again, like it, the, the theme is, um, surfing, movies, film, activism, but really it's just diving a little bit deeper than I've ever been able to dive um, with my YouTube videos. And it's been so much fun. So much fun. No, that's great, man. It's the called the Kyle Tierman Show. Is that correct? The Kyle Tierman Show. And it's just your life on the road, interviewing the most interesting people that you meet along the way, huh? Yeah. I mean, again, with podcasting, you know, I mean, man, talk about doing something mo- mobile. I got a couple microphones. You know, I think I just told you before the podcast, like sat down with the pro skater, Andy McDonald in a coffee shop the other day and just wrapped out for an hour. So that's been, that's been really fun. That's great. Definitely like the, the it, it feels like a new, a new level of energy in my life that I haven't felt um, in a little while, which, which is great. That is great. I mean, you've designed a pretty amazing life for yourself and I commend you for that. And I think that You've been at it now, it sounds like almost 10 years or 26, what, like seven, eight years? Um, yep. Yeah. You know, with that amount of experience and people out there who might want to try the same thing, like what would you tell them? How, how could they get started to kind of start designing something like yourself? Um, I would recommend that everyone reads The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Um, that book and that guy has been so influential in my life in terms of um, getting the clutter out of the way and actually having the tools and the tactics to handle situations in a way, um, whether it be negotiation skills or um, meditation and morning routines um, to diet and fitness. Um, I, I highly recommend everything that he is doing because I've benefited so much from that. And from that, I think that also, um, man, r- really, like, I, f- I find that a lot of people are in jobs that they hate or in lives that they hate because they haven't done the reflection to, um, to really think about what it is that they really like to do. Um, it, you know, I, I, f- I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast the other day and he was talking about how, like, he's had this incredible, incredibly successful life. Like, was on Fear Factor, did a bunch of tv then doing stand-up comedy and now he has his podcast and he said you know it wasn't really until i was in my 40s that i realized what i like to do because a lot of times you you think you know what you like to do like oh i i like to you know do tv i want to like go get famous and be on tv but then you get there and you're like man this isn't actually what i thought it would be like like this isn't what i really like to do and he's been really successful in being able to hone a life 
and design a life for himself where now he's doing what he likes to do. He likes, he's doing stand-up comedy. He's doing podcasts. And he, he says that he says no to almost everything else. But um, that's a big one. I think that getting really good at saying no has has helped me um, because I do think, again, like I said earlier, like there are things that I found in my life that are that really benefit me, whether it be um, public speaking for the uh, the financial reasons and for um, just the joy that I get out of talking to people. Um, th- there have been uh, the podcast, which I'm really enjoying for for all kinds of reasons. But like I'm being able to I'm able to hone in now on what it is that I'm what I actually enjoy doing, I think better than I, better than I did before. So maybe that uh, in a um, realistic level for people just, just means like sitting down like I did and doing a whiteboard session, writing their name, writing the center. Yeah. Do a mind map and um, write down all the things that you really enjoy doing. Um, And, you know, if, if you give yourself half an hour to think about it, you might, um, you might be surprised and there might be some, some topics, that come come to the front of your mind that you never really gave yourself time to to think about. I love it. That's great advice, Kyle. Before we go, just out of my curiosity, because I've been thinking about this since you said it, why did you get a jump rope company to sponsor you? What is that about? Dude, all right, shameless plug to RPM jump ropes. It's like the most next level jump ropes that are out there. Like I, I've had jump ropes all the time because I, I will travel with a jump rope when I'm on surf trips or on uh, production trips. I think that they're a really good way to just get get the heart rate up and be like, all right, like I've been sitting for too long. I got to go do a set of 100. And these things are like, they're like the... I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a good analogy for it, but like, I met the guy who, um, who's like the manager of it and he's a competitive jump roper. And there's this whole world of like competitive jump roping where it's like RPMs, like around, like how fast can you go in a certain amount of time? And then there's also like gymnastic jump roping where people do flips and they're jump roping throughout the flips. This is a whole world that I had no idea about. But um, they're just like, they're super solid, high quality jump ropes. They're like the Yeti coolers of jump ropes, right? Like okay. just high quality stuff. And, um, and they're, they're Santa Cruz based. So they were like, Hey, like, let's, <laughs> let's do something. I'm like, hell yeah, man, this, this sounds awesome. And again, like that's, it, I think that uh, the jump rope is kind of like a, a good analogy for the, like a lot of the things that I take on my trips and a lot of the ways that I've designed my life are very lightweight and versatile things in my life. Um, like I don't own a lot of stuff. I, I take out as much clutter as possible. I simplify, simplify, simplify. And, and the jump rope is I don't bring any, any other workout equipment on trips except the jump rope. And that's the one thing that I use and I, I get so much benefit out of it. Beautiful way to close this conversation. Kyle. I love it, man. You're an awesome human being. Thank you for sitting down with me and, and sharing your story, man. Um, so everyone can find Kyle at uh, his website. What is that website, Kyle? It's just kyle.surf. It's uh, not .com, just .surf. I, my my housemate is uh, a mega geek who's super awesome and was like, you know, Kyle, you can you can just get .surf URLs now. That's what all the cool kids are doing. So Alrighty. that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, check out Kyle Tierman at Surf for Change, kyle.surf, or uh, the Kyle Tierman Show. And where is that hosted on iTunes? iTunes, Stitcher, um, all the 
all the usual places. Wonderful. All right, Cal. Well, thank you for joining me. You have a good evening. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.